Hey guys, welcome to What's the Word. Welcome to this new studio, and uh, we hope you like it. It's going to be awesome, and we just praise God for you. Like the broadcast, share it, subscribe. I can see that you are doing that every time you do it. It helps us get the Word of God out, helps us get the good news out. And uh, today, today we're talking about, will God still love me? Uh, or will he reject me after what I've done? You know, will he still love us or is he going to reject us? And uh, we want to jump right into that. We'd also like you to go to whatsright.com, sign up for our email list so that you can stay in the loop uh, for everything that's happening, everything that's going on. We praise God for you and uh, put it, put us in the, put in the comments who you are and uh, who's watching today. We want to see it. I see so many people. Our amen. They say, looks good. Good. I'm glad you like it. Looks like we're in space. Like if we could put some, put some space background up there, it'd be awesome. And uh, so there have been quite a number of things today, uh, audio, video, all kinds of stuff. It's all new in this place. And uh, so if there's been any uh, lack or anything, you'll understand. All right, so we want to jump in today. Will God still love me? And uh, I love our thumbnail. Honestly, uh, the thumbnail, it just made me laugh. (laughs) We had to have it. So we've been talking a lot about the prodigal son. And what I've found is there's a lot of people that are uh, sitting there and they've done things uh, that have... You know, they're questioning, Does the, will the Lord still love me? Does the Lord, uh, after I did this, will the Lord still love me? After I, after I you know, did this for a long period of time, how does he feel about this? And I've watched, I've watched this over the years. I've watched uh, many times, many times, where people didn't even want to go to church because they felt like the Lord would not love them. And uh, they felt like they had messed up. Uh, literally the other day, I had somebody uh, reach out on the line that I'm connected to, and they there was a lady who uh, was completely having a breakdown because she thought that she had uh, committed the unforgivable uh, sin, a forgivable sin, and uh, she thought that she had denied Christ and was going to hell. And uh, the truth is, I don't believe that she was. But it's one of those issues where people there, the devil utilizes fear. And uh, will the Lord still love, love you? Here's one of the things that I want you to see is that no matter what you do or who you are, there, there are, the Lord loves you with an everlasting love. And one of the things I'll share, a, later on I'll share a story with you about that. But uh, one of the things I want you to see is this, is that as long as we, there's a couple of reasons why the Lord would reject you. And that is if you have completely rejected Christ willfully, uh, that would be, if you've rejected him, he's allowing you to make the decision. But see, if you actually care about this question, it kind of proves that you haven't done that. Uh, The other thing is if you make yourself an enemy of God or an enemy of his people, and that's a decision that you're never going to turn from. As long as there's hope for you, the Lord's not going to reject you in that way. But if you make yourself an enemy of God uh, by either rejecting him or just deciding that I won't, you know, I'm going to be his enemy, I'm going to be, you know, holding back uh, from him, then you're, that's a place where you'll be rejected. But most people have never done that. Most people have not turned themselves into an enemy of God and an enemy of his people. Most people have not known Christ and rejected him, although it's, it's possible most have not done that. And that's actually something that we're going to cover here soon. Uh, can you lose your salvation? This will be a topic that we'll talk about before too long. Can you lose uh, your salvation? And what is the unpardonable sin? What is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost? We're going to be handling those uh, questions soon. But today we want to talk about, you know, can God still love me? Uh, does God still love me after this? And, and you don't have to put your hands up in the comments, but I know that many people struggle with that all the time. Actually, I talked about it a little bit on uh, Sunday. Many people will not go to church because they feel like they're a hypocrite because they don't have everything right. But the issue is that many times God actually, that's the place where he's going to be able to help them clean those things up. So in other words, we don't have to sit there and uh, sit in, you know, in that despair 
for years and years and years. We don't have to sit there in that place. All we have to do is turn towards the Lord. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. And I want to read through this prodigal son story again. Uh, We were meditating on it uh, and going over it last week. But then we talked about it. I preached a message yesterday on it as well. But I want you to see something. So let's just read this prodigal son. This is Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. Uh, through 32. Now, we probably won't read all of that, but it says, a man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So the father divided his wealth between them. So one of the things we want to look at first is, what kind of pride does it take (laughs) to say, Give me everything that's coming to me, you know, ahead of time. What kind of pride does it take? So the first thing that we see out of the prodigal son is a major pride, a major pride that's only concerned about himself. He's not concerned about his father. He's not concerned about his brother. He's concerned about himself. And so that's the first thing we see. And see, a lot of times we've made decisions like that where we were just concerned about us. Lord, I don't care what you you think. I'm going to... I'm going to do this. I don't care, you know, if you tell me to go to this church that, you know, my flesh is not going to like. I'm going to go to the church where I'm comfortable. You know, I don't care if you tell me this. I'm going to go where I want to. And when you see that, you start to see that, you know, we can move in pride in little ways and big ways. This was a big way for this guy. But do you think it's anything different? When it's a small way, pride is pride. Sin is sin. And so many times we've been in these places. And so he says, he says, give this to me. So the father divided. Verse 13. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he, it says he squandered his estate with loose living. He squandered his estate. So in in other words, he lost everything with loose living. In other words, he didn't tighten up and discipline and live the way he should. No, he let it all go. It squandered because of his loose living. In other words, he was living in sin. He's living in these places. He didn't care. He's just letting it go, you know. And then all of a sudden, what you see, what happens? As soon as somebody, the devil has somebody, the devil likes to pile on. And what happened? He piles on right then. He says, it, it says right after this, after he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be in, pov- in poverty or impoverished. It says, so he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, to feed the pigs. Now imagine this. He's actually sitting there in in these fields feeding pigs. And as a Jewish man, this is one of the worst things he could do. I mean, this is a horrible thing for him to do. He's feeding these pigs. And uh, one of the most unclean things he could be around. And think about this. His job now is to feed an unclean animal. His job was something he considers unclean. His job is to feed that unclean animal. This is like, you know, talk about the devil stabbing this guy, you know. And, uh, of course, he messed up. You know, he he did that. And, um, you know, one of the things, I'm seeing a flicker in this camera, and it may be just that the connection needs to be secure. So let's try to look at that. I'm seeing it across everything. Um, so one of the things that we see here is that, first of all, the guy is in pride. Second of all, he's in sin. Then, then the famine comes, and then all of a sudden, now not only does the devil pile on with the famine after he doesn't have anything, he gets him in poverty, and now in his poverty, he makes this man serve an unclean animal, and he's feeding these pigs. So the devil's just piling on. Now, I want you to think about this. Where's this guy at right now? First of all, he's, you know, he knows he messed up. He's in pride. He's in sin. Now he knows he messed up. Now he's in poverty. He's at one of the lowest places that he can be, 
right? And then he's serving unclean animals right now. And it's like all this stuff. Now, here's the thing. How do you think he feels? How do you think he feels about returning to his father? He doesn't feel, you know, he's going to feel like a piece of trash. You know, he's going to feel like garbage. I've messed up, you know, and, and actually you see that. You see in his, uh, in, in his statement, that's exactly how he feels. And he says this. He says, uh, he went and hired himself and he was feeding the pigs, verse 16, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the, the swine were eating, but no one was giving anything to him. No one was giving anything to him. So now he's gotten to the point where even what the pigs are eating, even what the pigs are eating looks good to him. Even what they're eating looks good to him. What kind of level? And here's another thing of pride. Here's another part of pride. What level of pride did it take that when he finally woke up and came to himself... What kind of level of pride did he have to be at where they would actually, he would wait to make a change until he was starving? What kind of pride would he be at till he waited to that, to that level? You know, in other words, he had to keep on and keep on. Please come back to this main camera. Thank you. Uh, he had to keep on and keep on and keep on in pride. He had to keep on in pride till starvation woke him up. You know, all right, so now look at this. Look at this. He's in pride to leave. He's in sin to lose it all. The devil puts, takes him to a place of poverty, and he, the devil and his actions, the devil has a famine over the land. He, in his actions and the devil's attack, he's there. Uh, the only, only place for him to have anything is for him actually to serve an unclean animal, to serve an unclean animal. And so he's there. And then even in all of that, he still is in pride. So much so that he doesn't wake up until his body is starving. It's starving that causes him to wake up. And it says no one was feeding him. I want you to see anybody that would have fed him a meal would have saved him from the conviction of God. Anybody that would have given him a meal, because we, we had discussed this yesterday. A lot of times people will think that it's their job to feed the poor. Sometimes the poor are there because of their, of their own actions and it's conviction. It's the conviction of God, not the condemnation, the conviction of God that's saying, hey, you need to wake up. But eventually starvation wakes this man up. And he says in verse 17, uh, but when he came to his senses, in other words, one translation actually says when he, he, he woke up, he, when he awakened, and he came to his senses and he realized, and here's what he realized, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer, uh, he said, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, you know, let, well, excuse me, I skipped over 17. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So now watch this. And this is all he had to do. If he would have just woken up to what he had done early, he would not have had to go through all of this. All he had to do was come to his senses even before the, you know, he left. But he didn't do that. He, he had to go all the way to the bottom. See, if we will humble ourselves, we will save ourselves a lot of trouble. <laughs> if we will just humble ourselves, we will save ourselves a lot of trouble. Amen? And put that in the comments. If we will humble ourselves... We will save ourselves a lot of trouble. A lot of times, that's exactly what the Lord wants us to do is just say, look, if you'll just give yourself to me, I'll show you how to get abundance. I'll show you how to be blessed. I'll show you how to not have a bad life. But the issue is, many times, our pride won't let ourselves humble ourselves to a loving and compassionate Father. 
And so I want to go through all this stuff that the prodigal son did because it's so very important in will the Lord, can the Lord still love me? Will the Lord shun me or reject me? This answers that question. Here's this guy. Look at the pride on this guy. The only way he wakes up is he's dying. He waits till he's dying to wake up. Now, this story is in here to to give you and me a warning and wisdom that we don't have to wait that long. We don't have to wait that long. And uh, so here he says, he comes to his senses and he says, uh, my father, he says, how many of my father father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven. And in other words, I've sinned against you. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now see, this is the son's thoughts. This is the son's thoughts, not the father's thoughts. But the son is thinking, I'm not worthy to be a child anymore. I'm not worthy to even be called a son of my father. But one good thing that he does wake up to is this. He wakes up to this point. He wakes up to this point, and that is that I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against my father. I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against my father. And so as he recognizes that, and as he sees that, this is what he needs. And and you have to understand what true repentance is. True repentance is not when we uh, figure out we're caught. True repentance is not when we are sorry that we're caught. True repentance is when we actually make a change based on what we've woken up to. When it's we change our life, when we come to the altar, when we, when we actually say, Lord, I've got to make changes from this day forward. That's what true repentance is. True repentance is taking us to a higher level. I'm not going to keep doing life at the level of sin. I've recognized that I sin, but I'm not going to stay there. And so when we will humble ourselves and wake up, then all of a sudden we will start to see we'll start to see, okay, here's, here's what I need to do. I need to go to the Father. See, when we truly repent, one of the first things that happens is our heart will be drawn to the Father. Now, that's the first mercy of God, is as soon as we wake up and we come to ourselves, we're going to have to realize, I need to go to Jesus. I need to go to Jesus. True repentance will cause our heart to desire to go to Him to desire to go to him. And when it does, we need to follow that leading of the Holy Ghost, follow that conviction of the Holy Ghost. I've watched people in church, and I know they need to go to the altar. And they'll sit there in their chair, and they'll struggle with that decision and struggle with that decision. Like, But see, a lot of times we need to step out. We need to step to the Father. And, you know, Jesus made himself such a... Uh, such an example in front of the world. He made himself such an example in front of the world, and yet we will sit there and say, say, yeah, well, I'll just repent in my private time. I'll just, you know, I'll just sit back. And what we need to do is step up in front and say, Lord, I need your help. That's not, a, the walk to the altar is not a walk of shame. The walk to the altar is a walk of victory in Jesus' name. The walk to the altar is a walk of victory. And put that in the comments. A walk to God is a walk of victory, not a walk of shame. Amen. Why? Because he loves you. Because he has compassion on you. A walk, a walk to God is a walk of victory, not a walk of shame. Now look at this. He says this. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He says, he says, make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but that, that, that but right there is huge. He says, but 
The father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hands and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now I want you to see something right here. Oh man, this is so good. I want you to see it. Here, think about the position of the son, of the prodigal son. Think about everything he did and everything he went through. Think about how he feels right now. You can imagine all the way from the pig pen back to his father's house, the devil, not God, but the devil's trying to make him feel like, like a piece of junk. You failed. You were a jerk. You, you sinned. You know, you... You went and you were serving unclean animals. You know, you're made in the image and likeness of God, and you were serving animals, serving unclean animals. And you stink, you smell like the pig pen, you got no money, you're not worthy even to be called his son. Can you hear the devil's condemnation? The devil's condemnation. But here he says, you recognize, he still goes there. He doesn't stop. He still goes. And as he goes to that place, he, the whole way he probably was under the condemnation of the enemy. But as he goes there, right, he shows up. What happens? First of all, look right here. He, he says this in verse 20. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. This is something that just stuck out the other day that I wanted you to hear. God, the, this, you know, in this example, of course, the Father represents Jesus, represents the Father, represents an everlasting love towards you. This is what I want you to see. When the Son made a decision to go home, no matter how he felt, no matter what he had done. He hadn't made himself an enemy of his father. He hadn't rejected his father. He just made some dumb mistakes. I made dumb mistakes. Probably everybody listening has made some dumb mistakes before. Probably everybody listening has sinned on some level. But here he goes. He probably felt like a piece of junk walking up there. But did the father see him as a piece of junk? No. The father didn't see him like that at all. What did the father see? The father saw his lost son that had been found again. And the first thing that came out of him was the compassion of a father's everlasting love. That's what, and watch this, the son, you know, I love this, the son was not close to the father. He wasn't walking like the father. He didn't smell like the father. He, his actions didn't look like the father. He wasn't walking hand in hand with the father. No, he was still a long way off. How many of you in your sin have felt a long way off? off. <laughs> you fell a long way off. And, and, but the father, what, here's what I want you to see. When the son was going away, the father let him go, but he couldn't do anything about it. But when the son turned back to the father, the father saw where he was at. And the father says, I'll come to you and I will escort you back into my presence. So in other words, I want you to see this. You don't have to have everything perfect. All you do is you make a direction change. You turn from where you were going away to the Father, you turn to the Father, and the Lord will see that heart change and His compassion. Will the Lord, does God still love you? I promise you, He still loves you. Do you realize you realize that he loves you with an everlasting love. This is God's heart for you. He loves you. Will he reject you? No. If you have not made yourself an enemy of God, and if you have not rejected God willfully, you know, willfully rejected him after you were born again, when you turn back to God, all of a sudden you're going to find the compassion of God is going to grab a hold of you. The compassion of God is going to run to you. The compassion and love of God is going to move towards you and you're going to find a loving father. And I want you to see the rest of the story here. He says, I, I just love this. I love this story. I love seeing the heart of the father. 
Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> he says, he says he saw him a long way off, and he felt compassion for him, and he ran to him. In other words, he ran to embrace, and then he ran to help him. First thing he did, he embraced him, and he kissed him. Now, as far as we know, this young man still smells like pig, right? He still smells like the pig pen. But his father didn't care. Look, you're not cleaned up yet. You've been a far way off, but I love you. I don't care if some of that gets on me. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? He didn't care if sin got on him for our sake so that we could be cleaned up and clean from sin. You see the same story all throughout the Word, all throughout the Bible, his compassion towards us. <laughs> he loves us. He embraces us. He kissed him. He kissed this pig-smelling, rebellious young man. Not, but the reason is because he wasn't rebellious anymore. See, if we'll just turn from our rebellion, turn from the world's ways, turn from our ways, and we will actually turn to God, he says, I, he laid his lips on him and kissed him. He hugged him in all of that. He loved him. Will God accept you back? Will, will God turn away from you? Will God still love you? Yes, he'll still love you. And look at what he did. Watch what he did. Because the son thinks, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. I'm not worthy to be a son. But look at what he says. He told his, he told his servants, he told his slaves, quickly, don't just do it, do it fast. Don't let him linger outside of my clothes any longer. He said, quickly bring out the best robe, the best robe, and put it on him. Oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Lord. You are so loving and so kind. Just receive his love right now, right where you're sitting at. Thank you, Father, for pouring out your love. You didn't have to give us the best robe. You didn't have to do any of this. You could have let us go. You could have let us die in our pig pen of sin. You could have let us die in that place. But, Lord, you loved on us. Will you take us back? Absolutely. You're at your word shows it time and time again. Oh, you love us. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. Right now, will you just receive his love? Will you just receive that pouring out of his love? God will take you back. God will help you. He'll meet you a far way off. He'll he, won't, he desires to embrace you, to kiss you. He desires to put the best robe on you. Not the worst robe, not the one just to get you through. No, take the best. Like, you know, like God doesn't have the resources you know, to fix it if it got dirty. Or to make a new one. God's got the resources. Put the best on my son. Put the best. He'll receive you back. Put the best robe on him. Hey, he says this. And put the ring on him. That's the signet ring. That's the family ring. Don't you let him think one second that he is not my son. See, the, the son tries to say that I'm no longer worthy to be your son and be called your son. And the father says, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, you don't. He says, <laughs> he cut him off. You're not going to say one more thing. You are my son. Put the best robe on him. Get the signet ring and put it on his hand. He is my son. He carries the authority I have. He was lost. Now he's found. The Lord loves you. He will take you back. He loves you so much. Do you feel that compassion that he has for you? Glory to God. He says, he says this. He said, put the ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. I'm going to prepare him to go where he needs to go. I'm receiving him back. I'm giving him authority. I'm going to give him the shoes uh, that he can go where he needs to go. He won't be lacking in any way. He has my full provision, not just a covering, not just food. He has shoes. I'm going to put him with provision that he needs and my authority. Not only that, bring the fattened cow. 
Bring that special, that special meal out. We're going to eat a feast today and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. The Lord not only will take you back, he celebrates you coming back. That's why I say a walk to the altar, a walk to God is not just, it's not a walk of shame. It's a walk of a celebration. It may have felt like the shame to a prodigal son, but when that prodigal son turns his heart back to God, it's over with. Celebrations in order. There's things going off. It says everyone that comes back to the Lord when they're first born again, everyone, the angels celebrate. They rejoice over each one, over each one. He loves you so much. He has so much compassion for you. I remember I, uh, I had a vision a few, uh, some years ago now, and in the vision, in the vision, I saw people falling and off the cliff and going to hell. And as they went to hell, um, I literally, in this particular vision, God was showing me the value of each soul to him. And I felt, literally felt, like a dagger was being driven into my heart emotionally and uh, twisted for every soul, not just one, but everyone. Now, I want you to see this. This, What was God showing me? He was showing me his love for every person that even at this point had rejected them, rejected him in life. They had completely rejected the Father, and yet he still loved them. He still loved them. Even after they had rejected him their whole life, he loved everyone. I could feel everyone falling off into the lake of fire, and it changed me forever. I could feel everyone. I could feel his love. the, The pain that he felt for each person that did not receive Jesus and, and went into the lake of fire. The pain that he felt, I felt like it was going to kill me. I literally prayed, and I don't know that this was a good prayer, but I didn't know any better at the time. I said, Lord, if you don't stop showing me this, I think I'm going to physically die. It was that painful. What does that show us? It shows us how much he loved you and me how much he still loves us. Even the people that have rejected him, it showed me how much he loves every person. You know, we'll see somebody who's just rude and almost evil and and despicable in this world, and I'm telling you, God loves them. If he didn't love them, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. He didn't just send Jesus for the good ones. We were all the bad ones. We were all the bad ones at that point. I want to show you one more, one more place uh, where you can see this, not just one testimony, but two. Let's go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1, and we'll read uh, verse 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down, and he began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just like a spirit of religion that wants to emphasize somebody's sin. He says, they were saying this, uh, oh, verse 5. Now, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Now, to understand this situation, one of the things I want you to see is this, is this this lady caught in the act, the law said to stone her. That's what the law said to do. But here's the issue, and and we're going to see the heart of God. Uh, Before we go any further, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews 1 and verse 3, because this is very important. It says this. Oh, excuse me. I skipped past. Skipped past one and went to Philemon. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Jesus, and uh, you talk about in verse 2, it's talking about the Son, Jesus. In verse 3, it continues to talk about him, and he says, And he, Jesus, is the exact 
radiance of the Father's glory, and he, Jesus, is the exact representation of his nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the exact representation of his nature. The exact representation of his nature. All right? And so what we see, if we see Jesus do anything, we know that's what the Father would do. That's what the Father wants. And we see it majorly in this story. What we see in this story is this, is here's this lady caught in the act of adultery. The law says to stone her, but, but the Pharisees were testing because here's the rock in the hard place, is if he says stone this lady, everybody in the crowd says, says, oh my goodness, well, what hope is there for me? I'm a sinner as well. What hope is there? I don't feel like there's any hope whatsoever. And Jesus would have lost the crowd. The Pharisees know this. They'd set them up. They're trying to play a chess move against them. They're trying to, they're trying to set them up where he fails one way or the other. There's no good answer to it. And so if he doesn't say, if he doesn't say stoner, then he's not fulfilled the law. Now he's not the perfect lamb and he, and he can't die for you and me. If he doesn't uphold the law, uphold the law. He must uphold the law. And so here in this moment, Jesus goes and he says, Lord, I need your help. He sits down, he stoops down, and, I, and he's seeking the Lord. Why? Because he never did anything but what he heard the Father say. He was the exact representation. And in that moment, the Holy Ghost gives him the wisdom that he needs. And in verse 7, he says, But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Oh, talk about the wisdom of God. Let him be the first to throw a stone. And he stooped down again and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone. And the woman, where she was in the center of the court, verse 10, straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did, did no one condemn you? In the King James, it says, woman, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. Now, I want you to see this. There was one there without sin. There was one that could accuse her. There was one that could condemn her. There was one that could have started picking up rocks and throwing stones because he had no sin. But he only did what the heart of the father was. And what was the heart of the father to this woman who had severely messed up? What was the heart of the father to this woman who had sinned against heaven? who had sinned against the people that she loved. What was the heart of the father towards this woman? Was it to condemn the woman? Was it to stone the woman? That wasn't what the father wanted. He just, he wanted us to have the law to keep us in the blessing so that we would stay in the place of blessing and not be in the place of the curse. He just didn't want us cursed. But he also wanted us to have the law so that we could abide with him. You know, with sin, we're apart from the Father. But here's the Father's answer every time. If you will just turn your heart towards me, I will come and help you so that you can be in strengthened and empowered to walk with me and be in the blessing of God. And so we see right here that Jesus basically says to the woman, look, I don't want to condemn you either. I don't want to uh, uh, accuse you either. I don't want to throw stones at you. Here's what I want to do. I want to forgive you and empower you. I'm going to meet you where you're at today, right here in the center of this, of this court. I'm going to meet you right here in the center in front of everybody that would see it. And I'm going to forgive your sin. I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to lift you up. No matter what you've done, man, the, the love of God has hit me. 
on this broadcast. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to meet you and I'm going to pick you up from that place. He says, I'm not going to tell you, go and sin no more first. I'm, I'm going to give you the empowerment of my love first and my love will give you the power to not sin anymore. And so when we turn back to the Lord through a true godly repentance, our job is to say, Lord, I ask you, by your mercy, by your grace, forgive me. And we receive by faith his love. We receive by faith his forgiveness. And that love and forgiveness will now empower us. It will now empower us to go and sin no more. We don't, we don't sin no more just by, by a decision in our mind. We sin no more by a decision in our heart that God can move into our heart and empower us no, now to go and walk in that way. Let us go uh, to Romans 8 and verse 13, I believe it is. Romans 8 and verse 13. Our job as believers is to turn back to the Lord, to repent, to change and go back to Him. And what are we going to find when we turn and go back to Him? We're going to find His compassion. We're going to find His presence. We're going to find uh, the heart of the Father that never wanted you to be separate from the family. We're going to find the heart of the Father that will put the best robe on you and the best provision even while we still stink. Our righteousness still stinks to Him. He'll cover us with His best. He'll cover us with His best. Even while our righteousness still stinks in his nostrils, if our heart has turned, he said, I'll meet you at that place. I'll meet you where you've been, and I'll take you back, and I'll help you up, and I'll lift you up, and I'll make you whole. I'll put, I'll put sandals on your feet that will give you provision to the path. I'll help you in that way. And immediately, as soon as we turn our heart, that's what we'll find. But when we receive that, our job from that day forward is a true repentance that changes, that our deeds change, that what we do changes. Not because we could just make up our mind and make that difference. No, we are empowered by His love. Lord, I ask you for your forgiveness, and I believe by faith that you will give me your love, and I know that I have your love because your, your word tells me of your love and your compassion. And I, Lord, I take that love that you've given, given me. And Lord, let my love for you, that you've given me that love, let it empower me to live like I should live today. And watch this, uh, verse 13 in Romans 8. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, if you're living by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body or the deeds of the flesh, and you will live. So we make a choice for the love of God to empower us to constantly put down the deeds of the flesh. We should constantly, day by day, be getting stronger and stronger, more and more in the Spirit of God, walking more and more like Him, like the prodigal son that was met when he was far off. But as he continued, he got closer and closer to the presence of God. As he continued, he looked more and more like family. As he continued, he walked less and less in sin. He was putting to death the deeds of of the flesh. This is our job. And if we will have that heart towards us, then what we've truly done is we've turned our heart and we will find a celebratory walk towards God, not a walk of shame, but a walk where his compassion will overflow us. His compassion will give us what we need. His compassion will be there to meet us, to put the best robes on, to clean us up and help us. Will God reject you? Will God still receive you? Will God still love you? Yes, yes, and yes. Right now, I just want you to pray. Just pray with me. Just say, Father, you know where I've been. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. 
maybe I've been doing a lot of things right, but still I know in my heart I'm not where I need to be with you, and I know I need to change it. And so today, even if I haven't been completely in the pig pen, but if I've just not been fulfilling what you've called me to do, Lord, right now today, I receive your love and I receive your forgiveness. By faith, I know I have your forgiveness. Your word says that if I'll confess it to you, that you are faithful and just to forgive me of all transgression. So Lord, even if I've just messed up in my job or I've messed up in my social you know, uh, relationships, if I've messed up in my family relationships, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I won't go that way again. I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Lord, and I ask you to meet me, even if I'm far off and I know by faith that you will. That's who you are. It's who you are. Lord, meet me today. As I come towards you, meet me with your compassion. Meet me with your love. And I know that you are. I can feel it right now. I believe that as you're praying this, I believe you're going to feel that love pouring into your heart right now. Lord, pour out your love on every person. And just continue to pray this. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of that. I believe you died for me. And I believe that God brought you back to life. And when you were moved to life, I was not left in the pig pen, but I was moved to life as well. Thank you, Father, for not leaving me in the place of death. Oh, I worship you. I give you the glory. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your compassion. Thank you for forgiving me when I made silly little mistakes, when I made big mistakes. Thank you, Father. You're so good. Jesus Overflow me with the Holy Spirit. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire that I might be your witness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Just continue to receive. Just continue to you know, lift your hands. Continue to just sit there. Let the Lord pour out on you. Many times we move too quickly to the next thing. Just right now, let the love of God move out on you. Move out, you know, move into you. Thank you, Father. We just praise you. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your compassion that you're pouring out not just on me today. I can feel it. But thank you, Lord, for pouring out on every person that's seeing this, that's hearing this, whether it's live or in the archive, thank you, Lord, for pouring out in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, we love you so very much. If the Lord has written it on your heart to share with us and to sow into us, you can do that. You can, in Facebook, you can type in hashtag donate followed by the amount, or you can go to giveww.org. You don't have to. It's not, it's not a requirement. We're giving this broadcast to you, you know, whether you want to be a partner with us or not. Where that's not what it's about to us. To us, we want to make sure that we sow it. We're doing the work to get you the good news, to get you these things. We praise God for you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We just praise you and we worship you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your compassion. When we were in the position of that prodigal son, on whatever level, be it we went to the place of starvation before we woke up, or be it we just turned our head for a little bit, we turned our sight from you for a little bit, Lord, thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you, Father, for helping us. Do you know right now, no matter where you are, God, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll help you. If you need help in your work, he'll help you in your work. If you need, if you need, help, if you need help in just wisdom, he'll help you in that wisdom. If you need help in your church, he'll give you help in that church. If you're a pastor and you need help in that church, he'll show you his wisdom, just like he showed Jesus, that wisdom in the situation with the adulterous woman, he'll give you supernatural wisdom 
and to show you what to do, how to take it to the next level, how to be what God's called you to be to fulfill your vision. If you're a minister, he'll give you that to fulfill your vision. God will give you. That's, you know, his compassion is not just to forgive you. His compassion, notice with that prodigal son, his compassion was not just to forgive him. His compassion put the best on him gave him authority, gave him provision in whatever area he needed. It wasn't, you know, he was provided for just to have a meal. He didn't just give him a meal. He gave him the fatted calf. He gave him the best, the choice cuts, the prime cuts. You know, he gave him the most tender, right? This is who God is. His compassion is not just forgiveness. His compassion is complete provision in every area of life. You have it today. Don't just receive forgiveness. Receive the fullness of his compassion. Glory to God. We love you so very much. Barrett's going to wrap it up. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great, great day. Here's Barrett. Hey guys, we thank you so much for being on with us today and for every person who has sewn into this broadcast. We thank you for partnering with what the ministry is doing and we just pray that your seed be blessed, pressed down, shaken together and running back over. May it return to you quickly in the name of Jesus. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for being on for our first broadcast in the studio. I mean, you can't like super see it from your end, but we can, and it's very exciting. And you guys helped to make it possible simply by your partnership with this broadcast. We thank you so much. And we're going to be back tomorrow at 1130. But before we sign off, reminder, Kickstart 20. 21 is happening February 7th through the 12th here at Boomerang Church. We are going to have evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. in with us. He and pastor will be ministering together. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss it. You can find out a whole bunch of information by scanning the QR code on the graphic that they're going to put up, or you could go to bclife.org slash K is in kick. S's and start and find out all the information there. We love you. Have a blessed day and we'll be back tomorrow at 1130 a.m. here on Lunch Plus.